Right. Yep. And and so the reason is that we keep trying to attribute positivity and, and we we're, we operate deterministically rather than probabilistically, which is the key to forecasting. And by the way, anybody out there that makes a decision about anything, understand you're in the forecasting business. Hello and welcome to this edition of the Black Line Podcast. Mike, it, it feels like months since we've talked. Well, not months since we talked, but oh, months, since we've, months since we've officially talked Black Line. Right, right. Yeah, it's been, uh, it's been a it's kind of crazy few months. Kids are uh, keeping us busy with travel baseball now. So that's, uh, you, know, you know that feeling. Welcome to the life of a travel baseball family. It yep. sounds so enticing, and then you go. Yep. I, I learned the hard way. It's, it's a little bit more work than I thought it was going to be. And, and you had the, the head coach says to me the other day, hey, Mike, I need you to take this test. It's required for all Calvary Kim leagues. should only take you an hour. I'm like, who said you – well, who told you it should only take an hour? And I figured I could have gone straight to the test and just taken the test. And it's know. like it's like HubSpot like, Academy. You got basically you got like inbound certified for baseball. Right. Yes, that's pretty much what it is. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, Cal Ripken. Cool, cool. Wait until yeah. summer. Wait until you're sitting outside at some seven field complex and it's 97 degrees, humid, and the closest tree is like three miles away. Yeah. That's when you know you have arrived at tournament, youth tournament baseball. Anyways, anyways, so um, what's on your mind today, Mike? Well, we chatted a little bit about, you know, forecasting, probabilities, um, all the right things people are doing right and all the things people are doing wrong. Did, did you ever notice – Everyone's data-driven today, right? That's what they tell us. Oh, of course. Data-driven, data-informed. We're running an A-B yeah. test, right? And they all understand math. Well, well, we'll come to that in a second. Um, I tweeted this the other day. So Mark, Mark Killens wrote something up on, um, on LinkedIn, and it was, you know, attract people with content is more expensive than harder than ever before. Here's what you need to do. Um, and it was a good list. I, I, I like Mark. I think Mark's got a lot of good – good, good insights. Um, that was a nice little, um, that was a nice little grab for drift. Um, and, and my first thought was, Hey, that was really good. Um, and then like later that evening, I, for some reason I thought about it again. Um, and I realized, you know, it's the same list that we would have, like if we had put together a list 10 years ago, it would have been something similar. Right. I'm, not, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that, um, that, that Mark, just republished a list from 10 years ago. I'm just saying it's the same list as it would have been 10 years ago. And then that got me thinking, isn't that sad? Isn't that sad? The, like we think it's harder, but it's not harder. I mean, it's more prevalent, right? It's pro proliferated. Yeah. But despite all of the data and being data-driven and data-informed and all that, we're at the same place we were 10 years ago in terms of what, like what I'd like to see something like, okay, everyone's mastered the things that we had to do 10 years ago. 
make sure you write for your audience. Use the language your audience would use. Like, and, and in fairness to Mark, that wasn't what they said 10 years ago. It wasn't what they said 20 years ago. It's what they said 30 and 40 years ago. It's yep. you know, Dale Carnegie, How to Win Friends and Influence People. So, so here's a question. And as a guy that's, that's a data guy, right? You're a data guy. Um, what's the point of all this data? I mean, I think people are overstepping their bounds quite a bit. It's like, uh, not overstepping, but for, for as much advancements as we've, as we've made, the question is, have we really made advancements? But it, I mean, more specifically to your question, what's the point of all this data? How you use it? You know, what, what outcomes are you trying to, you know, achieve with it? I mean, that's, that's the biggest question that people don't, you know, people aren't addressing. Why do you think that is? Because they don't know. What do you mean? <clears throat> they don't know what? They don't, they don't truly know what they're trying to achieve. Yeah, it's probably some of it. You know what I think is more of it? I mean, hmm. I, I think, I mean, you're right. And, and to some degree, if you, don't know, if you don't know the answer to that question, then everything else doesn't really matter. And so, you know, the, the, the problem is that, <laughs> the problem is that everyone, everyone wants to skip that step. Like that's the hard work step. Mm-hmm. What, what do you want? Because by the way, if you say I want this, then you can't have that. Right? If you want that. Here, here's a perfect example because I, I literally just had this conversation with this, this morning and I was ready to just I'll, I'll hold back um, what I was ready to do. But I, I, I was on a call with Prospect. That's the X-rated podcast that we start yeah. next and, week. And I, I was just asking, I was asking this guy like hey you know what are you trying to solve for what you know what what outcomes are you looking to achieve and you know it was obviously specifically around email marketing he said well higher opening click rates i said well why what what does that do for your business uh i don't understand the question mike i i would like to see higher opening click rates but why what is what is the desired outcome of higher opens and click rates and I felt like I was just running around in a circle trying to so, get that answer. That, that's a conversation that happens just constantly. So, so the first thing I would say to them is, okay, if you just want, you want higher opening click rates, start um, sending emails about Jennifer Aniston. <laughs> right. I mean, she's still popular, right? <laughs> well, again, you're 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 old, but you know, <laughs> but you're very wise, Doug. But but you know what I'm saying, and then I, yeah, no, I'm, I, I'm I've said that I've said that to people like, whoa, whoa, I'm like, oh, okay, so actually, I'm curious. This is going to get us off topic. Um, what's more important to you as a business owner and as an email guy? This is going to be interesting. Is higher opening click rate? You can choose between one of two options. You can have a higher open rate and click rate. Or you can have more opens and more clicks. Which do you choose? And I realize that opening clicks and open rates and click rates are not, but let's just, you know, from that standpoint, which do you choose? Well, I mean, in order to get more opens and clicks, you have to certainly have high, a great center reputation, which is really defined on your open rate and click rate. So, 
I would, I, the outcome that I would desire more is more opens and more clicks. Well, so, so, but, well, I, you know, it's not, there's no, I actually, you know, I think, I take that back. It's a, no, it's a, it's, it's a good, good question. It's, it's great. a great question. Thank you. So if, if I could choose between the two, I would want higher open rate and click rate, which means that I'm addressing the needs of my audience more. Okay. So, so this is going to get right into the subject of, of what we're talking about. The, the question is a false question. Um, but it is the question that everyone goes about answering. Um, and the theme, one of the themes of our conversations today will be every line is a curve, but every curve is not a line. Mm -hmm. What percentage of people do you think understand what I just said? And I don't mean that as like, a, I don't mean that as an insulting the audience. Not, not that I'm above insulting our audience. I mean, it is your mom, my mom, and somebody else. <laughs> Um, right. My, my, my bet is not a lot of people know what that means. And they certainly don't understand the implication of that. And, and, I'll, and I'll come back to that a little bit and please stay with the potential insult and, and forgive me for that later. Um, so if you want to, because I'm, I'm on record as saying conversion rates are vanity metrics. Mm -hmm. Now people, people are beginning to agree that visits are vanity metrics, but very few people would agree that conversion our vanity metric. And the reason I say is, well, hey, if you want to increase your conversion rate, just reduce the number of people that are visiting. People that you're seeing, right, so, people so, I mean, if, right. if you want to increase your open rate, I have the perfect strategy for 100% open rate and 100% click rate. Yeah. Send one email to one person. One person that you know is going to open. And then you're going to, max, you're going to maximize your open and your click rate. Well, that's ridiculous. Yep. Right. We know that that's not smart. So now I want more opens and clicks. Well, if my open rate's two percent, but it's more, well, that's not good, right? And and so the the problem is it comes down. So going back to what we were talking about earlier, what's the problem? Um, a, you've got to understand what you want to achieve. What, why? What you know? What's the why? But but also you you really have to. I mean, if you're going to be data driven, you can't be data driven and not understand math. Um, and math is hard because math got, I mean, the more I've learned about math, the more I've learned the way it was taught to us in school was not healthy. Um, it's also, I've learned that about science too. And math and science are, 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 are hardly, are, are, are highly correlated. But, but what you have is, you know, we think, we think 10% is better than 5%. And, you know, 10% open rate is twice as good as 5%. And 20% is twice as good as 10%. Except we also want more of this and, and what we have to find is, so is where is that point of diminishing return and where is that inflection point, right? We need a certain number of opens, right? And let's just call it open someone who viewed our email, not, not, not a false open. We're not talking about, you know, the bogus rates that are reported right. in you know, automation system. We need a certain number of people to view um, if, if you, if your list was a hundred people and you had an 80% open rate, would you take 10,000 people with a 50% open rate? You probably would. Yeah. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Your open rates drop 30 points, but yeah, we get that. I'll, I'll, I'll play that. Right. And so, so there's a place where the inflection comes 
where if I'm below this in terms of, in terms of how many people are open, that's a problem. And so I'll trade off my, my rate to get more opens. And then there's a place where now the trade off of the incremental opens becomes less meaningful and, and the loss of open rate becomes something. And, and becomes and, more important, right. Uh, yep. And, and, so, and so we think and about- you're right. there, isn't, there is an inflection point between the two. Absolutely. See, so so we, keep, we keep running, everyone says Northwest, I'm sorry, yeah, Northeast, I'm sorry. Everyone wants to go to the Northeast quadrant, right? Up and to the right. That's what every report is supposed to be, right? Like, yep. like, like you can always be up and to the right. That, you know, part of our problem is that we, if you're up and to the right, you're good. And if, you're, if it's ever down to the right, then that's not good. Except for the fact that everything hits a point of diminishing returns, right? Mm -hmm. you, you remember if we go back um, probably a couple of years ago, we, we, we were talking about um, response rates and we were talking about chat and, and someone was talking about, hey, I've got my chat rate down to, my average response on a chat is 10 seconds. And I asked, well, well why 10 seconds? Right. And that led to less than a, a positive conversation. Well, and they said, because faster is better is what the answer was. Well, the faster you can respond, the better. I'm like, well, except, you know, that, that would be true if there's no cost for that, but there's a cost for that. Right? There's a call. So, so I just saw recently that, that you should be targeting 30 seconds or less. Now I didn't get into with the person why 30 seconds, but I was okay with that. And, and that what he basically is saying with 30 seconds or less is if you're at 30 seconds, then, then you're okay. And, and, and if you're at 30 seconds, you probably shouldn't work that hard to get down to 15 seconds. Now, if you get down to 15 seconds without working hard, right, that, that might be okay. But people think about this idea of everything to straight, like if I'm seeing this trend and we get this straight line, then, then that becomes predictable and we predict this straight line. Except for the fact that we're not accounting for the effort, the impact, the, the, the point of diminishing returns. So a trend always looks like a line, right? And, and, yep. and because a line is a straight line, we do what is called straight line analysis. And we just assume, you know, everything stays the same. And so, you know, if my open rate increase, you know, for every 2%, you've heard for every 2% open rate increase you get, you, you see one and a half percent increase in buying conversion. I made that number up. So please, yep. right. But, but we've heard things like that, right? And, and, and that's because when we looked at this universe of people in this group, that 2% led, right? But I bet you if I'm at 80% and I go to 82%, I bet you I'm not going to see the same <clears throat> conversion impact as I would if I was at a 4% open rate and I got to a 6% open rate, right? And Correct. so because, because of that, we do all this straight line analysis to create this feeling of certainty because straight lines look clean. Then we go, oh, it's a straight line. And we don't realize, no, it's a curve. We just don't see it. And the curve's going to get more extreme at some point. And, and so we talk about what is business intelligence. Well, business intelligence is to find where does that straight line on the low end become a curve and where does on the high end does it become a curve? That's where... You, you identify, or if anybody is familiar with the Laffer curve, and if you've watched uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, then you're at least familiar with the term, the Laffer curve. Um, and, and, you know, the Laffer curve is, it, it, the Laffer curve is about tax and revenue, but, but what it basically says is at, 
you know, initially as you raise taxes, you, you collect more tax revenue until you get to a certain point where now as you raise taxes, you lower tax revenue. And so if you're on the right side of the curve, if you were to decrease the tax rate, you'd increase the tax rate. Right. right. Yep. And, and so the point is you got two places where you actually get the same output, you know, in, 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 in two different things. So why, why, you know, now the argument about the Laffer curve is where do those numbers fall? And this is not about economics, but if we look at what we're doing from an engagement standpoint, when we look at what we're doing from a, the, the, the question of, do you prefer open rate or opens is a curve, right? where somewhere those two things come together, that they, they gets combined by how much is the squeeze and how much is the juice that's gonna tell you where you wanna be, right? And, and no one thinks about that. Yep. Right, and so we, we fall into- that, that, Right, that, absolutely. Now we've it's just good, lost everybody in our audience on this conversation. Right, it's a, it's a good way of framing the way that I think about this every day. At some point there's, there's, there's the diminishing returns on, on so, all of this. So, so the problem, with, the problem with, with data reporting is that what data reporting is always doing is normalizing. Mm -hmm. so, so what it's doing is, I mean, it, it's, it's, the, it's the stock market problem, right? History says that you're gonna average 10.5% per year in stocks, right? Um, until you don't. <laughs> well, and, and, and uh, I think we finally violated it because, you know, for years, there's never been a 10-year period in the history of the stock market where over a 10-year period of time, it's been negative. Um, the, the, the point is the market averages 10.5%, but it never returns 10.5%, mm -hmm. right? And depending upon where you are in that scatter plot and what else is happening, can have this devastating impact, right? And, and so, you know, traditional financial planning was, oh, well, you've got this much money, you need this much return. And so we just assume you get it every year and that you spend the exact same amount of money every year. Um, oh, you'll be fine. Um, until all of a sudden, you know, you retire and the first year of retirement is a down year. And because it was your first year of retirement, you wanted to have some fun. So you spent more money. And all of a sudden, you went from being told that you can retire comfortably, your financial advisor said, hey, dude, if you don't get back to work, you're going to run out of money in five years. You're like, what do you yeah. mean? It's supposed to last me 30 years. Um, and, and, and so that's why Monte Carlo analysis is what you, you know, is, is the dominant approach in, in financial services. And even the way they do that analysis is, is flawed. Um, but, but that all gets to, you know, why, what's the purpose of that? My answer to build predictability. Right. I mean, isn't that why we spend all our time with data? Yep. That, yep. Now, here's the problem. What? It's interesting, it, it, interesting way of, of just putting it in two, two words. I mean, because if we didn't want predictability and we just wanted randomness, we probably wouldn't have to spend all that time collecting data. <laughs> hey, let's throw some shit on the wall, see what sticks. Right. I don't need to collect data for that. Yeah. Right? Or at least I don't need to analyze the data. Um, but... The problem is people aren't looking for predictability. You know what they're looking for? Well, they're looking to show that, that they, they've got a straight line. And a... Well, why, why do people like straight lines and not jumbled scatter plots? Very easy to, to 
understand. They want certainty. Yeah. The purpose is predictability. The desire is certainty. Mm-hmm. So if I tell you there's a 70% chance of rain today, let me change that. If I tell you there's a 30% chance of rain today, what do you think? What does the typical person think? Oh, it's not going to rain today. So they go out, right? They, they, they do a 15-mile hike. They, they, they go to their baseball game where the closest tree is three miles away, right? And the parking lot is three and a half miles away, and you got to carry your 76-pound bag of baseball, bases, bat, you know, et cetera, and it rained. And you go, God damn it, those blanking weathermen, they never get it right, right? And we say, if we see there's a 30% chance of rain and it rains, we say the weatherman is wrong. Right? Yep. But the weatherman's not wrong. Right. The weatherman said there's a 30% chance of rain. Right. Right? Um, and, and when it's a 70% chance of rain and it doesn't rain, we go, the weatherman's wrong. No, the weatherman said there's a 30% chance it's not going to rain. Right. And, and so we keep running around in this world looking for answers of certainty when, when that's a myth, right? That, that's, the, that's the broken clock theory, right? A broken clock is right two times per day, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, so at least there's some certainty there. It will be right two times per day. My watch is probably never right. So the broken clock is, is technically more accurate than my watch. Right. 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 But, 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 but that's, how, that's how we're running through things. So um, what we need to be doing is thinking about how do we manage our probabilities? So we got two things that are happening here that, that I'm seeing that, that are causing um, – it's funny because what I'm going to talk about, I'm going to make it sound so much more complicated but actually, I think if you take what we're going to talk about here, it actually makes things easier and simpler. And that is somewhere between 80 and 90% of the things that every sales and marketing person does are meaningless. I would How, how's, that for, how's, the, how's that for the title of this podcast? Here, here's my certainty. I would 100% agree with that. Right. State. Now, now, people are going to misinterpret that if they only hear that because – I mean, if it's meaningless, then why do it? Why do it? And, and if the option is, you know, don't, I don't do anything, then what you do is not meaningless. But what's meaningless is that, you know, if you did something else, you'd probably, be, probably get the same result. Baseball, this is the metric in baseball that I love more than any other metric. Wins above replacement. And what wins above replacement does is it looks at a player in a position and it says, how many wins, how many games did the team win because they had this player versus if they had the average player at that position? Right? So, so in investments, we call that the alpha. Right. For all this, in like, hey, we invested this. We aren't, we, we, we average. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I, I don't, I, I was not familiar with that, with that metric. Um, so Mike Trout, who might be the greatest baseball player of all time. Yeah. Um, 
in a typical year for him, he's worth five to six wins above replacement. And what that means is that the greatest player, certainly in the game right now, is worth two to three percent more than the average center fielder. Two to three percent. Now, if I told you that this guy over here is going to increase your results by two to three percent, what would you, how excited would you be? Probably not that excited. Yeah. Right. But if I told you Mike Trout was going to be your starting center fielder, like if I told you, hey, then that's just got Mike Trout, I bet you you'd be pretty excited. But here's an interesting point. Um, so, somebody that truly understands um, data, they would get pretty excited about it too. Oh, they go nuts about it. Like Eric, Eric says that all the time. <laughs> Well, how the hell else are you going to do that? Like, you know? Well, he'd be like 2 to 3%. You're smoking crack. There's no way you could have a 2 to 3% impact. Dude, I'm looking for yeah. a half a point in impact. Right. But, right? But so I, remember the first, I remember the first meeting I had with the CEO of Carousel. We were founding 7 Cents. Or even before we had founded it, we were talking to him about this prototype that we had built. He said, dude, if you could give me a fraction of a percent increase in my connect rate. I'm all in guys. I'm all in. You name your price. I'm all in. Absolutely beautiful for me. Yeah. A fraction of a percent. That's all I want. I mean, we showed him significantly higher and he was very happy, right. but he is a data guy. He runs every aspect of his business. So, off of metrics and data. So, so the, the, so if you look at what we do on a daily basis, if we were just to do a set of other things on a daily basis, as long as they weren't, you know, ridiculously stupid, the reality is it probably wouldn't have that much difference. Now, you don't need that much difference to have that much difference as, as, as you just said. And, and so this nets to, and, and this is the thing that's been, been running this thinking. Um, I mean, you know, I love tech. Mm -hmm. I love it. I was, I just got back from HubSpot's partner day, by the way, HubSpot's doing some cool shit, man. They are. I know. Uh, they're on, they are on it, man. And, and the thing, and you know what, you know what they finally got? They finally got that the exciting stuff is not necessarily where you win the game. They're getting that 1%. They're getting this story, I think, but sorry. So I was at HubSpot partner day and I realized there are a lot of HubSpot partners that I don't think are anywhere as, I don't think they're as tech oriented um, as I am, mm -hmm. but I think they're using like 10 times the tech that I am. And I, came I back and, I, and, I, and I came back and I was like, and, and it's kind of interesting because I, I have lots of conversations with different MarTech companies and everyone gets excited when they talk to me because, I mean, who wouldn't? Um, and, but, but we don't actually... Deploy much tech. We don't deploy much tech. And I was like, why? And, and, and I realized it's like, well, first off, what's the point of using tech if I don't have the process working? 
right? Yeah. Tech accelerates. Tech for the sake, yeah, tech for the sake of tech, but, right. But, but what I, you know, hey, so let, let, let's pick on uh, in my favorite subject, right? Um, chat. So-and-so implemented conversational marketing, and in the first 30 days, they were able to attribute $6 million in new pipeline to the tactic. Did they increase their pipeline by $6 million? I mean, I don't know. Maybe they did, but I don't think so. Yeah. Here's my question. My question is, and, I, and I'm not insulting anybody. This is not a slam on anybody. My question is, how much would they have increased it without it? And so this is a place where, where we get ourselves into trouble, and it is, I believe it is why sales and marketing, above every other discipline, jumps from fad to fad to fad to fad. I might be wrong. And I know, you know, we had total quality management, re-engineering, lean, Six Sigma. Um, but that, that's like over the course of a few decades, right? In manufacturing. Yep. Um, I mean, hell, the, the lifespan of a fad here is 18 to 24 months, maybe 36 and, and you're good. Remember when ABM was all anyone was talking uh, about? Yep, and then no, conversational... And all um, anyone was talking about and, and now we're 12 months into this whole conversational thing and it's just not and everyone's looking for the next buzzword right yep and and so the reason is that we keep trying to attribute positivity and and we we're, we operate deterministically rather than probabilistically which is the key to forecasting and by the way anybody out there that makes a decision about anything understand you're in the forecasting business when you're at the restaurant and the waiter comes and says, what would you like? And you make a choice. You are forecasting that what you are ordering is what you're going to like more than what you would have liked something else. And so you're mm -hmm. actually making a probabilistic analysis, whether you realize it or not. So we are all in the forecasting business. Humans by and large are horrible forecasters because um, they're really bad at, at, at attributing cause and effect. And it's, it's really causing sales and marketing, I believe, to, to, to exhaust itself and, and is accelerating the commoditization curve. Let, let, let me tell you what I mean by that. In medical, if you run a, if, if, if I, let's say I created a new drug. I want a new drug. Any of those fans out there? Um, let's say I create a new drug and, and I run a test and, um, it looks like it has an impact, right? It, it, wow. Hey, great. Do I, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to file a marketing patent with the FDA. I'm, let's start selling the drug. You, you know, I can't do that. Yep. You know what happens after you run a test in the medical world that shows that your drug may ha in fact have a positive impact. You know what happens next? You then run tests to prove that you did not have a positive impact. And, and, and it's called running the null hypothesis. So mm -hmm. in, in, in statistics, there's the null hypothesis. And the null hypothesis says basically, whatever happened, whatever you think happened, happened for a reason other than why you thought it happened, right? And so if you tell me that, I mean, if, if you wanna tell me this leads to a $6 million increase in pipeline, then what you have to do is you then have to run the test to prove that it didn't not lead to, right? Because my null hypothesis says, yep. right, yep, right. So hey, we ran this A/B test. This page had a better response than this page, and so that means this. Well, the null hypothesis says, 
Now, it happened for some other reason, right? And, and here's the scary thing. No hypothesis is almost always right. Yeah. Right. And, and, and so you have this really, <clears throat> excuse me, this really horrible trend that, that everyone's heard of, but nobody gives credit to. It's called reversion to the mean. Right. Expand. There's an average. Yep. And people that are above the average are more likely to perform below the average in the future. And people that are below the average are more likely to perform above the average in the future. Did you know? Actually, let me change the question. I got a friend. Let's say the average height of a male is, I think the average height of a male is five foot nine. I think that, that's what it is. I have a friend yeah. who's six foot so two. You fall, below, you fall below the average. Like I said, reversion to the mean, when you're above average in so many different places, there have to be other places where you're going to be below average. So, yeah, I, I <laughs> um, so, so I have a friend, he's six foot two. He just had a boy. How tall do you think my friend's boy is likely to be? Probably pretty tall, or above the above. Taller, the taller, or shorter than dad? I don't know. What, what do you think? How, how tall is the mom? The mom is five. There's my control group. All right, five. Oh yeah, the, the kid's probably going to be pretty tall. Taller, taller than, than dad. dad. Yep, taller than dad. I have a friend. He's five foot five. He has a kid. Do you think the the boy's going to be taller or shorter than dad? taller wrong on the first right on the second wrong on the first right on the second it is likely that the son will be shorter than the tall dad and taller than the short dad you want to know why reversion of the mean because the average person is five foot nine and so on average you're going to be five foot nine right and so when you have an outlier right and and so if you, if a company has five years of success, right, this gets back to, to the conversation we had with Steve, right? Like, what's the biggest difference between Barracuda and the company you had to give money back to? Luck. Yep. Right? What was it? What was he said? If, if Barracuda's firewall had come out three months earlier or three months later, we'd never have heard of Barracuda. Right? And, and yep. so... And so the point is, like, our job is not to find where the big win is. As a matter of fact, there was some, some guy who, who, who represents a MarTech company. Uh, we want to know what we need to be to be a home run for you. And I'm like, you can't. A, a there aren't that many home runs. Yep. Right. B, home runs are way overvalued. I mean, if you actually hit home runs, then – then you've got to be expensive. Hey, I, I could be your number four hitter and I'm only $65 a year. Um, right. And, and so what, what we're, what we're doing here is, you know, we're running thousands of things. We're, we're optimizing everything, right? We're optimizing everything, but no one's stopping and going, Wait, does that matter? Mm-hmm. And and I think well, in most they also, they also think they're optimizing everything. 
Tell me more about that. Um, so, for example, hey, I want to I want to optimize for some. Let me think about this. So, I want to optimize for a specific process. But why am I optimizing for it? Like, what is and 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 what I do? This goes back into what you're saying: is is this even worth it? Am I am I truly optimizing this this process? Yeah, and and so why why do I not use more technology than than we use? Well, because because I, I've I've learned that if I use fewer if I use less tech and I use what I use better, I get a better outcome. Yeah. Right. And so, so have you ever noticed that the, the people that are the most successful in their craft work about half as hard? Mm-hmm. And, and the reason for that, I think, is that, well, first off, they understand it's not about making some big step, right? It is about getting, it's about finding those three to five critical pieces and getting consistent incremental improvement. That's what is really what optimization is. And, and, a 30% chance of success to a 35% chance of success is huge. Absolutely. Um, so this is, uh, for those of you that are listening in the future, this is, um, this episode is being recorded shortly after Jeopardy James lost his, um, and, 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 you know, watching that and listening to what people said about, um, about it really, really struck me. It, it's what's wrong with, again, so much of sales and marketing. First thing was they couldn't believe how much money he was betting and how he was playing this. And, you know, when he was first, when he first started winning, everyone talked about how he was playing recklessly. And I saw an interview and he said, cause he's a professional gambler. That's, that's what he does. And he says, you know, I'm used to losing a lot of money at one time. And so when I was on final jeopardy and I bet $60,000, where most people might be like, oh shit, if I get this answer wrong, uh oh. He's like, I, I lose six thousand dollars all the time. Yeah, I was expect I was expecting to I was expecting right? to lose. So and so he um but but then everyone, you know, this whole thing came out, well, there's this conspiracy theory, right? Because for the first time, James bet a small amount of money in his in his final jeopardy. Why he's always been crazy and reckless. And it's like, well, no, no. That's a guy who understood math versus a guy who doesn't under versus people who don't understand math. It was, I believe it was the first time he was not in first place. And, and he knew that he could not win it. Like if he bet at all and, and the person who won had bet what she bet, that he would not pass her. And if he bet to pass her to, you know, to even come close to that, then the person in third place could pass him if he was wrong. Right. And, and here's what he said. He said the reason he bet low was he didn't want to turn a straight bet into a parlay. 
right? And yeah, but he's betting against the two. He's betting against betting against one instead of two, right? Well, so the bet he made was, if she's wrong, I win. Yep. If he had bet more, he'd be making two bets. She's wrong, and I'm right. Ah, right, right, right. Yep, yep. I see. Yep, I see exactly right? what you're saying. Right, mm-hmm. and so if he was wrong, the person in third place could not have passed him, and she would have likely fallen behind him, and he would have won. And I thought to myself, "There's a guy who gets it." Yep. And who thinks straight bet into a parlay? But how many times do we turn straight bets into parlays? Right. All the time. And, and, and so when we're trying to when, – when we're trying to – when we should be searching for predictability and, – and by the way, think about this. A five-day forecast today, whatever the weather is telling you is going to be the case in five days, that is as, that is as accurate as a one-day forecast was 20 years ago, which is pretty amazing. Yeah. Right? And, and they get that by, by searching for predictability and realizing that certainty will never be there, right? And, and so what we want to do is, you know, predictability is there's a, there's a 70% chance of this. <coughs> Here's what the impact of that 70% would be. And, and are we right 70% of the time, right? And the bigger your bets go, the, the worse it gets, right? The, mm-hmm. the, the more variable it gets and the, and the more, see, it's, and you know, I've talked about poker before and you know that I'm just a huge fan of the poker analogy. Poker is not gambling. But no one would argue that there's a lot of luck involved in poker. But when you say to somebody in business, there's a lot of luck in business, they go, well, yeah, there's luck. But you know, what I've always found is hard work is, you know, creates luck. No, no, that's not what I mean. Right. I, I don't disagree with that statement. Like the harder I work, the luckier I get. Um, but that's just because you were there, right? That's really what hard work is. It's like, no, a lot of, a lot of what, whatever happened to you, you're responsible for a small piece of it. Like everyone's running around bitching about Tim Cook right now. Not everybody, but a lot of people are bitching about Tim Cook right now. Yeah. And I know somebody, I know a few people is like, well, he needs to be more like Steve Jobs. To which the first thing I say is, well, that's a pretty high fucking bar. <laughs> right? Oh, my God. You're not like Steve Jobs. Oh, okay. You know what? I think you can say that about everybody in the history of the world except for one person. Yeah, Steve Jobs. <laughs> the second thing is I don't even think – I don't think – I think you could actually say that about everybody in the world in history because Steve Jobs wasn't Steve Jobs. Hmm. Everyone forgets the stupid shit Steve Jobs did. Everyone forgets how lucky Steve Jobs was. Remember, Steve Jobs didn't want to do the iPod. Steve Jobs said, no, it's video. He wanted to go video way too early. And by the way, one of the funny things is, if you ever read about the iPod, how it came about, um, it's, rect- it's rectangle. Jobs hates rectangles. The, the initial prototype of the iPod was a square. Right? Now, the hmm. rectangle of the iPod was, like, became one of its signature pieces. Right? Yep. And it fit well and everybody loved it. Do you know why it was a rectangle and not a square? Well, because they had bet on something else that wasn't going to work, didn't, I, I forget the details, I could find it, but 
Um, and the Consumer Electronics Show was coming up and they wouldn't have time to build a prototype from scratch. So what they had to do was they had to build the iPod from commercially available material. Everything in the first iPod existed in the market. Um, actually, Toshiba had just kind of created this super small hard disk that they thought there was absolutely no application for. And so like the, the guy from- So they take that, interesting. The, well, well the, the, the guy from Apple who was talking to the guy from Toshiba was like, well, you know, theoretically, if someone were to put an order in for 100,000, I forget the number, for 100,000 of those discs, would you guys be able to manufacture that? And the guy's like, yeah, sure. I mean, and, and so A, it's funny. Anybody could have put the iPod together if they put the pieces together. But the reason that it's square, the reason that it's a rectangle was because the way one device and the other device would fit together without making the thing too thick was they couldn't put them on top of each other. They had to lay it out. And so that- They had to lay it out, right. Yep. By the way, the great designer, Johnny Ives, who is a great designer, they didn't design it to be rectangle. It was like, oh shit, we got no choice. If we want the display and the hard disk and whatever, it has to be like this. And oh, look at what a wonderful, perfect design. Now, that takes nothing away from Steve Jobs because you know what? He took advantage of it. He capitalized on it. Um, and, and my bet is if Steve Jobs had survived, he, and, and we began to see it towards the end, right? He wouldn't have the same performance because you got the reversion to the meat, right? Mm -hmm. The question is, I, I remember when I was younger, someone said, hey, Doug, if you, if, if you can in your life just make your, your valleys a, a little bit higher than before and your peaks a little bit higher, then you'll be more successful than you can imagine. Because you're always going to have your peaks and valleys. Just you know, try to make them a little bit better. Try to find that 1% or 2% performance. Try to find that, you know, how do I get from 30% to 35%? Take your ego out of the equation and realize you probably have less to do with the outcome than you realize, right? And, and the question is, how can I maybe, and how can we maybe do it a little bit better and have a little bit more predictability um, and, 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 and be there when we're, when, when we're wrong? That's what forecasting is about. That's, that's what probabilistic thinking is about. And then you bit, you know, that, that's where you then get the miracle. I think they call it the seventh wonder of the world, right? Compound, the compounding effect, right? But when we shoot, you know, we're shooting for these big things, little things, and, and like where we are right now in a super duper hot economy, where if you just showed up, sat on a toilet and read a magazine, your business is probably going to grow. Right. Right. You know, it's like that, that's the null hypothesis is if you just show up, it'll, you'll get growth. Right. And, and again, I'm not taking away from anything, but it's like, let, let's, let's realize that. And, and, Oh, let's take advantage of it, right? Let's realize that, you know, where, where does this trend begin to stop? Like, where's the good enough factor in everything? And let's keep raising each piece. You know, where's the good enough? Get it to good enough. Now find the next thing that's not good enough that would have the biggest impact. And make it good that. enough, right. Get it good enough. Now, by the way, when you do that, the other thing that was good enough may, may not be good enough now because you can take advantage of it. And then you get it to be good enough. And then you get it to be good enough. And if you just constantly work, you know, no team should be focused on more than about one to three key results. Because if you're focused on more than that, you're, you're, you're not, you're going to, you're going to follow the wind. You're going to, you know, you're, you're, you're going to be a victim of the reversion to the mean. Whereas if you focus on fewer things, 
and you really focus on that, you get more predictability. Which means when something starts going wrong, you know how to deal with it faster. And when something's going right, you know how to exploit it faster. Yep. And when we operate in that place, we're, I think we're much more humble. Um, you know, there, there, there was a book that got written called First Things First. It was about time management. But I think it applies to this as well. It's like, let's, um, you know, focus on what matters. And, and the more you can get clear on what those things are, and, and you can get less hyped up about all the other things. And that's where I think a couple podcasts ago, I talked about the fact that we're actually measuring fewer things. Yeah, no, I, 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 I think that's the, the right approach. And, and the other thing that we're doing too, we'll talk about this in a future podcast, is we're, we're actually creating composite scorecards. And so a composite scorecard is we're figuring out what's one scoring, what's one score that, that can be driven by a number of different inputs so that this person can get to this score this way. It's like if Michael Jordan played Akeem Olajuwon in basketball, right? That'd be a pretty good game, don't you think? Yeah. That'd be a pretty good game. Um, but, but they'd have very, very different ways that they would go about scoring their points. Right. And you wouldn't say one is right, the other is wrong. They would, they would do that based upon the context, the situation, and their talent. And so the clearer you get on what really matters and the clearer you get on what can move the causation, you know, what moves the cause, and then as you work to, to impact that probability, that's how you'll build revenue. That's how you'll build business. That's how you'll build consistency without breaking the bank. And I'm pretty sure I'm right because it's how it works in math. It's how it works in manufacturing. It, 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 it's how it works in finance. Sales and marketing is the only place where we insanely look to jump for what's that, you know, what's the new thing that nobody um, has, has figured out before as opposed to realizing. Yeah, I mean, to, be, to be honest, I, I, I think, you know, to, to take it to another, you know, a, a little bit part of a different discussion is one, or have we reached an inflection point where there's no turning back Two, you know, it, it is a, it, it's a mindset change. It's a huge behavioral change. I think human beings today are incredibly impatient. Um, so they're all looking for a silver bullet or at least most are. I mean, you and I have had private conversations about this multiple times where, you know, everybody's looking to, you know, everybody's looking for that silver bullet and they're looking to have, you know, make this huge impact by, you know, tomorrow. I think part of that is driven by the, the culture that we live in with like the stock market and things like that. Um, so I don't know. So it's, Again, it's a different part of the discussion, but are we, have we reached an inflection point where, yes, there are going to be some business leaders that are going to realize, and you, you look at companies like Amazon and the reason why they're continuing to grow is because they are, they continue to look for ways to truly optimize their business um, and just incrementally get better and better and better and better and then move to the next thing and make that thing incrementally better and better until they reach good enough. Um, but I don't know. I, I think 
It'll be interesting where we are in five years. I agree with the conclusion. I don't agree with the trend. I, and what I mean by that is I don't think that that's new. I think – I don't think uh, – no, 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 no. I don't, I, don't think it's, I don't think it's new at all. That, I, I think I, humans I, have always been impatient. Yeah, right. I, I don't I, – I'm not saying that it's new at all today, but – Well, the, the reason is and, – and where we got the producers yelling at us for time. The, the reason is that um, you, you have a dog, don't you? If if you're if you were out and your dog shit on the carpet at ten o'clock and you didn't get home till five, and you saw oh my god my dog shit on the carpet oh I read somewhere that well what you got to do to train them out of that is you take them over and, and you know you put their face in it so they realize that's a bad thing right mm-hmm. and so at five o'clock you that. but that's not the right way right it wouldn't it wouldn't work as I and I know a friend of a friend of mine had that happen and it was happening regularly and what would happen is he would you know he'd get home the dog took a dump rubbed his face then wanted to clean it up so let the dog outside well all of a sudden the dog took a dump and then waited for it because he wanted to go outside (laughs) and so the dog thought you know and and so dogs (laughs) dogs so to train dogs and and to change the behavior of a dog you have to do the lesson at at, as, the at the time, right? At the time okay. that it's at the time that it's occurring, or shortly well, thereafter. We we hate to admit it, we're not that much smarter than dogs. Yeah. And so the reason I, I think the reason <laughs> I think the reason that we're in, that we're perceived to be as impatient and why we're as bad at forecasting as we are and why it looks like it's worse is that you know fundamentally when 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 the species came to be, if you will we lived in a very simple world. It was eat and procreate and, and make sure that the um, saber tooth tiger doesn't eat you. Right. Survive, eat, procreate. That was basically our job, right? That was life in the big city. Um, we now live in, in really dynamics, complex. We operate in dynamics, complex ecosystems. And, and we look for, this meant that we, we we look for direct cause effect causation, causation and certainty right yes right. And, and as opposed to realizing that even causal factors there's rarely one reason why something happened yeah you know which is why oh well if you just do what jeff bezos did well if you just do what jeff bezos did you can't do it because it's a different world right and so jeff bezos doesn't do what jeff bezos did right if and i just eat if i just eat healthy and exercise every single day i'm gonna live until i'm 90. no Right, and, 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 and even if I sit in my house and I exercise all day and I eat healthy and I don't have any of the outside world touching me that could cause me bodily harm, I could have a heart attack tomorrow. It, 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 you know, I'm increasing the probability that I will correct. live in 90. Correct. But and, there is absolutely no certainty in that. And so the takeaway today is if you don't know what the null hypothesis is, study the null hypothesis because we spend far too much time working on things that would be doing what they're doing if we weren't spending so much time working on them. Yep. And that will free us up to be able to, to identify what are the two or three things, or frankly, even if we just did the same things, but we chose two or three to spend a little bit more time to be a little bit more excellent, we'd actually get better outcomes. Mm-hmm. And that is our show for today.
Got anything to add, Mike? Enjoyed it. I'm gonna, I was going to ask you, what do you, what do you want? Higher open and click rates or higher number of, number of physical opens and clicks? Just kidding with you. I know it's the wrong question. <laughs> a false question. It's a false choice. Yep. And that, everybody, is today's episode of the Black Line Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Until next time.